Hi everyone, welcome to episode 44 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we're here on a snowy day, even though it's April 2nd <laughs> in Connecticut. We got a surprise, surprise, big snowstorm. Large snowstorm. There's like, we're here at the shoreline about five inches, and I was just up in Durham, which is almost central not even is it would you consider that central state no, middle town it's south yeah. Of, yeah so anyway but they probably have a good six inches up there yeah surprise yeah Hello. but it, the sun's just starting to break through and it's actually quite beautiful so no complaining april showers bring may flowers oh there you go right. even if they're frozen even showers if they're frozen showers <laughs> so that little rhyme leads us right into national poetry month chris you are good <laughs> So yesterday was April 1st, big day. April 1st. April Fool's. Easter. Passover. is going on. And National Poetry National Month. National Poetry Month is kicking off. Are you a fan of National Poetry Month? I'm a huge fan because I love poetry and I don't, I actually do read it quite a bit, but I don't make an effort like what I'm going to do for National Poetry Month is a poem a day at least which mm-hmm. I know you've been doing with some of your reading yeah Carl so I, yeah. I've got you know poetry books out I'm gonna I think I'm gonna grab all the poetry books off my shelf and just have them sprinkled around my house which is not very big <laughs> so there's gonna be poetry books every you know I'll be able to reach them from any spot I am in the house nice yeah I'm gonna try to read at least one a day very cool yeah well I was at Barnes and Noble the other day looking at the poetry section looking for things that I would like to read and I came across a book called the voice that is great within us mm-hmm. it's an anthology of 20th century poetry and I totally forgot that I had taken a poetry writing class when I was in college <laughs> Wow. <laughs> was that because it was that. a bad experience? <laughs> no, it was a really cool experience. Um, uh, Dr. Fortier was the, the teacher's name, the professor, and I really enjoyed her. And it was a smaller class, and we were mostly a little bit older adults. And I took that writing class, and the one thing I remember about it was this guy. He's prob- He was probably at the time in his 40s, so older man to me then. And he was a, a biker. He was a Harley-Davidson guy. And he wrote this one poem about the smell of roadkill oh God. when you're riding your motorcycle. And that poem, I, you know, I, the, uh, the words of the poem haven't stuck with me, but the feeling mm. and the sense memory of that poem yeah. has obviously stuck with me over That's the so years. Cool. So, because I'm a little bit afraid of poetry. I think, as I've mentioned before, mm. it's a little intimidating to me, um, but I enjoy it. And I think the thing with poetry is... You just kind of have to kind of keep looking and finding what resonates with you. Agreed. Because it's just, it's almost like finding a genre that really sparks you. Mm-hmm. Like I have this Facebook friend who wasn't a big reader. And then last summer, she started uh, reading a thriller and she got hooked on it. She had never tried mm. that genre before. And now she's reading voraciously. That's cool. And I think it's with poetry, it's kind of a similar thing. You got to kind of read around until you find what resonates. I agree. I also think that sometimes with poetry, I struggle the way I do with graphic novels, where it's like, what part do I read first, and where do I go? And I think, you know, poetry is not confusing in the sense that, you know, it's usually one line follows another line. But the way people break up the lines sometimes can make you kind of, it's a little jarring Mm -hmm. sometimes, and you don't understand what it means. And once I was able to let that go and just read it mm-hmm. and enjoy, appreciate the words and also recognize that sometimes you do have to read it 
a few times over to get it, yeah, I started to appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes those line breaks are really shocking, mm-hmm. and they they. Bam, they give you this crisp image in your mind. Yeah. And I do have to say, though, I think there's a lot of poetry out there where the illusions are so fucking out there. Mm-hmm. And they're so personal and specific to the poet and to the situation or time period that, you know, good luck trying to decipher right. what the hell that meant. As, <laughs> as they say in fancy ways, they're not very accessible. <laughs> <laughs> I like accessible poems. <laughs> yeah. So we, the Book Cougars for National Poetry Month, have created a BookTube channel. We have a BookTube channel. Yeah, Yeah. on YouTube. You can find us under Book Cougars Podcast. And we are celebrating by having a poem a day up there um, read by... I kicked it off yesterday. Emily's poem was out there today. It's April 2nd as we're recording this. And then we invited a bunch of friends to contribute a poem and so each day you're going to see a new face, hopefully, that's the plan, yeah. for every day of the month of April, somebody reading a poem that speaks to them in some way. We have some poet friends, too, who'll be reading one of their own poems, which will be really exciting. And, you know, you might see Chris and I a little bit more frequently. Yes. We'll see. If we need to fill yeah. in, because yeah. I know some people have had some difficulties and... Um, you know, life is busy. They yeah. can't always follow through. So you may see our faces a couple times. Yeah, yeah. You'll get used to us. <laughs> yeah. But if you'd like to contribute a poem, shoot us an email yeah. at bookcougars at gmail.com and we'll tell you how to submit yeah, a video of you reading a poem that speaks to you. And you know, hey, if we have to go longer than the month of April, we're game. Absolutely. So please get in touch with us. We That'd can have fun. a poem a day for the rest of our lives. Wow. Dare to dream. Or as they say, go big or go home. <laughs> so what are you currently reading, Chris? Uh, currently reading. I am I'm in that position where I'm reading three or four books all at once. It's like, how does that happen? I just started Tornado Weather. It's by Deborah E. Kennedy. And it's a book that is nominated for an Edgar Award for first novel. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So there are five novels in that category. And I have a fantasy of reading all five. But the awards are April 26th or something, somewhere in that part of the month. I don't know if I'd be able to get them read in time with other things I have planned. You don't have to read it before the award, or is that your goal? Like, do you want it to be like the Academy Awards where you know all the books and you're... Yes, that's my fantasy, is to know all the books and read them and have what my pick is, and then see which one is chosen. Okay. But we'll see. So you've already read one, so yeah, maybe you'll get there. (laughs) It's The the month is young. It is, indeed. So yeah, I just started that one. Really great imagery. Tornado weather. It's set in Indiana. Oh, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a mystery, Edgar Awards, just for those of you who don't know. Edgar Awards are for um, mystery thriller novels, um, so that's the type of book it is. And it starts with this guy who's a school bus driver letting this young girl who's in a wheelchair go off with somebody else. Oh, yikes. Yeah. That sounds a little scary. Yeah, So, but it's really, it's one of those situations where Everybody kind of knows each other, and tornadoes on the way. Like the weather's getting really green, and their sky's getting really green, I should say, and the wind is picking up, and somebody pooped on the bus, and so all of these <laughs> things are going on. You Everything's know? going haywire. It is. So yeah, cool. Yeah. So we'll see. It's a good, promising start. 
That's great. I'm reading Do Not Become Alarmed, a novel by Mail Malloy. And I started this on the plane ride home from California on Saturday. Um, you know, it was like a five-hour flight. And I got about 60% through. It, too, is a bit of a thriller mystery. It's about two families, um, the mothers of which are cousins, who go on a cruise together. And they decide to go off the boat one day to go on a zip line tour in some Caribbean country. And the the truck that they're riding in crashes. And so they end up not being able to go on the zip line tour and all sorts of havoc ensues. And the children of three families go missing. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what the book's about. And I'll talk more about it once I finish it. But there was one funny thing that... In the book, The Hate You Give, that I've talked about already, there's a portion of the book where there's a riot going on, you know, a a riot because a decision was made about um, a policeman being charged or acquitted for uh, um, murdering a young black man. And so there's a group of young kids, including the main character of the book and her white boyfriend who are like, you know, trying to traverse through the riot to get somewhere and the they, the black kids make a statement that about how in movies with white kids the the white kids always choose to split up like they think that's a good idea <laughs> you go that way and I'll go this way and you know we'll, we won't all die you know <laughs> and and they were like black kids never do that we always stick together and i just had a laugh in this book i'm reading because there is a point where there these kids are all well no actually some of them are interracial but they choose to split up and I just started laughing because I was like there it is the moment in every movie or book where kids decide to split up because they think it's a good idea you uh-huh. know? so I thought that was funny <laughs> but I'm enjoying it it's definitely a page turner and it was a good book for you know a long airplane ride Very so cool. do not become alarmed a novel by Mail Malloy nice well I'm also reading the smart but scattered guide to success how to use your brain's executive skills to keep up Stay Calm and Get Organized at Work and at Home. Long mm. title. Um, yeah. That's by Peg Dawson and Richard Guar. It's about executive function skills, uh, mm. which I didn't know a ton about. Um, and it's something that has just been identified in the 80s as part of like your brains and how your brain functions. And there are essentially 12 skills in this executive functioning set. I'll just mention them real quickly from this list that's conveniently located in the book. At the beginning. (laughs) At the beginning. Um, Response inhibition, working memory, emotional control, task initiation, sustained attention, planning slash prioritizing, organization, time management, flexibility, metacognition, goal-directed persistence, and stress tolerance. Mm. So these things all work together in your frontal lobe and the book is really cool because it's it's for adults they're also books for kids and teens in this series but it's really helping you look at your strengths and weaknesses and how to better work with those and and one of the things about the book it's not just like day-to-day life you're going along blah 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 but it happens to so many of us you start a different job and with the different skill sets and just how you could feel so kind of up in the air, like, what the heck? Why can't, why am I having a hard time with this or that? Right. And I, I'm just starting the book. Well, I'm kind of in there. But one of the things that made me think about, too, is just that old stereotype that 
it's not a stereotype, I guess, more of a saying that pe- everybody, people eventually get promoted to the their level of incompetence. Oh, I've never you know, heard that. Yeah, I, I am probably <clears throat> mutilating how that saying goes. But it made me think about that, that. And as a former manager, too, you see it a lot. People who are really good at being X when they get promoted to Y, mm-hmm. sometimes they flourish and other times they just have such a struggle with it. And I think a lot of that is executive skills functionings in some ways because it's really you're you having to utilize different skills. Anyway, that's yeah. the book I'm currently reading. And it's it's fascinating to think mm. about. I love the idea of that. I, I think I'd like to read that. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Because I, I don't know if I mentioned in a past episode where I was juggling all my calendars and all of my to-dos and my whiteboards on my office walls and all of these things. And all of that's gone. Mm-hmm. And I have one book. Yeah. With And I try to limit the amount of things I put on there. So it's really helping me streamline, streamline and focus in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Because some of it, too, I think is about habit. And figuring out what habits we have that are working Mm -hmm. and helping with our executive function and what habits we have in place that are not helping. Exactly. (laughs) So that's great. And another thing the book mentions is that as we age, as individuals, focusing on your executive skills in this newer way, not in a newer way, but just focusing on them and understanding them can help with issues surrounding cognitive decline. Mm. So. You mean I just can't keep taking a ton of vitamin D and hoping for the best? Because <laughs> that's what I've been doing. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, um, I'm also oh oh I'm go sorry. ahead no I'm also currently reading Chameleon Moon, which is a book of poems by Antonia Clark, who also goes by Tony. Hi Tony. Hi Tony. Tony's a listener. She's also a Booktopian, a fellow Booktopian. And she sent me this lovely um, book of hers. She's been published quite a bit. She has some other books coming out. Um, If you're interested, the book is for sale on Amazon and through her publisher, which is David Robert Books. But she also said if anyone would like to purchase a copy, which would be $14, directly from her, she would sign it for you if you're interested. And she put a lovely um, inscription in my book. And I thought since it's National Poetry Month, I would read a poem. Is that okay? Absolutely, please. So this is from Chameleon Moon, Antonia Clark. Maybe you should write down what I say. You say that when you try to wake me, I'm reluctant, slip back into the dream. A drowning woman who refuses a lifeline. So often, morning feels like a bruise on the eyelids. First light, the flash of a blade. I'm afraid to leave unfinished business, dangling modifiers, whole cities of bright ideas. You ease me back, as if from the chasm's edge. Tell me I'm talking, nonsense, or maybe not nonsense, you say, maybe a poem. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. I've been reading this actually more than one poem a day. I love it, and um, thank you, Tony, for sending it my way. That's great. That she has posted um, some links to her poetry too on her Facebook page. Yeah, that have been really wonderful because her background is in in medical work, right? Of some kind. medical writing, medical writing. Yeah. yeah. So some yeah. of her words that she uses, her word choice, are really fascinating to me, and send me to the dictionary sometimes. Yeah. So she also that. teaches poetry. 
or a poetry writing, I should say. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm also, I'm listening to a book. I just really started it, The Stranger in the Woods, The Extraordinary Story of the Last True Hermit uh, by Michael Finkel. And it's read by Mark Bra Bramo. I can't even read that. It's so small. Um, anyway, I'm listening to it on audio. I'm really enjoying it so far. It's an engaging read or right. engaging listen for sure. Good. Yeah. It's like true crime and just really great nonfiction. It makes me think of like John Krakauer um, into the woods. Mm, yeah. You're right. You know, that type of, yeah. that type of narrative. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. How fun. And we'll be talking more about that later. Yes. yes. Yeah. Are you reading? Are you currently reading anything else? Or those, is that... those are the books that I'm currently reading. How about you? That's it. Okay. I know we're such like <laughs> people think we're nuts. How much we read? Yeah. And I and I always say to them, you know, we are like on the lower end of the spectrum of like people who read a lot. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't really have as much time to read as I would like mm-hmm. anymore, you know. So or ever really. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to retirement, but. <laughs> um. So yeah. on to just read. What you just read, Emily? I just read The Wedding Date, which is funny. It's I think on the last episode I talked about all the books I put on my Kindle for my big trip yes. to California, mm-hmm. and this one I had read before I even left. <laughs> um, it's it's just a really quick read. I I heard about it from Roxanne Gay. I follow her on Goodreads and Twitter and all those mm-hmm. things, and she gave it a lot of stars. So I thought, oh, I've got to check this out. Um, did I say it's by Jasmine Guillory? I don't remember I don't if think I said so. that. Okay. The main characters are Alexa and Drew, and at the beginning of the book, they meet on an elevator in a hotel that stops. <laughs> so that gets stuck as it gets stops. Stu- yeah, okay. it gets stuck. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It stops on the floor. No, <laughs> just it gets stuck, and they they're sitting, you know, on the floor, getting to know each other, and um, it's an interracial relationship. So the the woman is African American, and the man is white. And um, so, as Roxanne says in her review, it was really fun to just read a a relationship story about an interracial couple that's not about that, really. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a love story. And um, they're both high-power people. They're in California. One's a doctor and one's um, works for the mayor of Berkeley as his communications person. So it was kind of fun, too. They're trying to put this relationship together. One lives in Berkeley, one lives in L.A., and going from place to place... Um, to see each other and one of the things that's hilarious is they're always eating they're just eating all the time <laughs> kind of book right yeah there. <laughs> I know I just loved it they're not necessarily cooking but they're just eating you know it's hilarious um and the thing I I, I mean it's it was a very light read I read it probably in two sittings but what I liked is it it there was a lot about when you're starting in a new relationship or I think probably even relationships that have been where you've been with someone for a long time, you have these self-doubts and you have these conversations in your head and you may, you know, try to walk away over and over because of these self-doubts. And if we could just, you know, get the walls down and say what we need to say Mm -hmm. lots of times, then you can continue on in the relationship. But many relationships end because we don't communicate well, you know. Mm -hmm. And I thought the book did a really good job of addressing that. You know, with some humor and, you know, and also with the cast of characters that are around you, you know, your friends, Mm -hmm. your go to people for advice that are like, get your act together, you know, or, you know, or just help you see something from a different angle, you know, and and be willing to be vulnerable, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of what relationships 
challenge is about. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So I really liked it. It was light and fun and made me hungry the entire time I read it. I wanted a donut because they eat so many donuts in this book. <laughs> so <laughs> The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory. <laughs> well, I just finished uh, the selected letters of Willa Cather. Mm. And it was a great thing to read through letter by letter. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I just wanted to read one thing. She writes a letter to her brother. They, she, her nieces are grown. They're, you know, adults, uh, young adults anyway. And this is from December 1944. She just writes her brother poetry with two exclamation points. There was an old writer who lived in a stew because she had so many nieces, she didn't know what to do. And they lived so many places, she just lost her wits. So she seized her address bit and tore it to bits. <laughs> P.S. Please send me present addresses of Elizabeth and Margaret. Have something for them and can't send even a card. So I just thought that was funny. That That's would be, great. you know, a great letter to get from your sibling. Just yes. a poem like that. That is yeah, awesome. A little humor. And in another letter, she writes how she has three address books. Hmm. She has an address book for people in the States. In Canada, I think. An address book for people in other parts of the world, mainly Europe, I think she says. And then an address book for family. Because mm. she's away somewhere, and her secretary packs just one address book for her. Oh, no. And she doesn't have the... Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I really enjoyed reading the letters. It was tough towards the end, because she has... It's World War II, mm. and, you know, the devastation of that war. I don't think we... You know, I know a lot of people are really depressed and saddened about our current political situation in the country, but to to live through World War II and not know how it's going to turn out Mm. and to see Europe being destroyed and other parts of the world just being decimated, just how depressing that is, I can't imagine. Um, And then even right after the war, um, she writes letters like, she died in 47, but letters from 1946 to other friends who are in Europe... She talks about how awful it is to live in New York at that time and just what a mess the whole country is in. And she points out the problem with the coal industry. Apparently one man had major control over the coal industry, Mm. which was the major source of energy at the time, and just what havoc that was causing Mm. in the country. And then, you know, hard time getting food and things like that. So... You know, you think, oh, they had a parade and everybody's happy and America became a global power. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> doesn't work that way, yeah. you know. So it was really uh, eye-opening to, mm. to read it from her perspective. I bet you're going to miss it. You've been with that book. It's been your companion for a while. It has been, yeah. But it's been nice. I've been trying to slow down with some of my reading, mm-hmm. hence like reading the Carl Sandburg poems, which mm-hmm. is something I'm still currently reading, the Chicago poems. It's hard. I mean, some days I'll read like three or four poems, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm reading at least one a day. Mm-hmm. And then with reading the letters, I think I was reading maybe probably the same thing, like maybe three or four mm-hmm. a night. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it does. You become really close to the subject yeah. or to the voice that yeah. you're reading. Yeah. yeah. Well, the whole thing about letter writing and just like when you're saying the thing about addresses, I have a regret already with my, my children, Rachel and Jacob, who are only in their mid 20s, but. Wow, mid-twenties. That's weird to say. <laughs> Whew, and yeah, sorry, I just took, took my own breath away. Um, I have regret that I haven't written down 
their addresses in an address book, you know, mm-hmm. as they've changed addresses from when they even their first, you know, like college room address. Yeah. Because they've both lived in so many places, and it would be kind of a fun little glimpse at history, because you forget, you know, at least I forget where they've been. They probably don't forget, but um, so I wish I had done that, and I think if we did more, you know, now it's so much emailing and texting and things like that, that, you know, I send them things, but anyway, I don't have a a handwritten copy of each of their addresses along the way. Yeah, they are, address books are glimpses into one's history for sure and family history as our letters i mean it's just interesting that we're we're now in this such fast-paced easy form of communication and i feel like it's great i communicate with both my kids every day because Mm -hmm. of it but we don't really write each other letters you know yeah yeah well i finished big love the power of living with a wide open heart by scott stable and i enjoyed it um he talks about that if we want to live an enlightened life, we, we have to dive into our pain. Um, we can't just address the things, you know, we're willing to address. We have to also dig into the deep, hard stuff. And he writes a lot like um, Brene Brown, where he uses stories. Each chapter is a story about something in his life. Mm-hmm. And then he uses it, you know, to kind of impart some moral idea about or maybe morals a little strong um just an idea about you know how to to live in a big-hearted way and Mm -hmm. be willing to be vulnerable and open to things and he had a major failure in his life where he produced a a movie like a big box office movie that had the most strange name and i apologize i've returned the book to the library now but and it was like they had the studio had an opening across the country and then it was this huge flop. I mean, devastatingly huge flop. And so for a lot of people, they would have just buried their head in the sand and never come out, you know. But for him, it was like that failure actually led him to evaluate his life. And um, then he started a Facebook page that was supposed to be like, follow my travails as, you know, I'm successful. And it ended up being like, help dig me out of the sand, you know, and he would post these quotes and things and he got this huge following. And that's kind of how this book became a thing because people really like engaging with him. Mm -hmm. So a publisher was willing to publish this, you know, give him an advance or whatever to write this book. So, um, so I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say that it's, I'm still on a quest to find the nonfiction book of 2018 that really gives me a shot in the arm and mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that this was it but I did enjoy it and I just thought I'd read one paragraph to give you an idea of of the writing and it was a very easy very readable writing style and he's funny which is nice the more I focus on love the more able I am to accept my whole truth and the whole truth of others love reminds me I have nothing to be ashamed of and therefore don't need to numb myself out of shame Love encourages me to find forgiveness so that I don't have to escape my anger and blame. Love pushes me to seek connection so that I am no longer compelled to be destructive in my loneliness. Love insists I am worthy, just as I am, and that I am strong enough to accept and love myself without needing to mask my truth. Every single time we choose love, we're choosing our health and well-being. And the more we choose love, the more likely we are to create for ourselves the kind of lives we won't need to escape from. Yeah, pretty, pretty Mm -hmm. good advice. So again, Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart by Scott Stable. Well, I also just read The Paris Spy 
by Susan Alia McNeil. And that is a series book. It's mm. part of the Maggie Hope mystery series, and this is book number seven. And it was the first one I read in the series, and it is shortlisted for a, oh gosh, Agatha Award. Hmm. I was thinking Magatha. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> Something's not Agatha. right about that. <laughs> shortlisted for an Agatha in the historical mysteries category. Ah. And I had posted a picture of it um, with my dogs on Instagram, and I think I shared it on Facebook, and a couple friends replied saying that they really like the series, but they like the earlier books in the series because uh, Maggie Hope, it's World War II setting, and I guess these might have been pre-World War II at the very beginning, I'm not sure, but um, she's a secretary for Churchill Mm. and gets uh, each mystery is a different aspect of the war or leading up to the war or in the war. So um, I know she's also involved with the Queen at one point, and she joins, uh, you know, she basically becomes a spy um, working in this. And so in this one, the Paris spy, she is actually in Paris. She's she asks to go back on a mission to find her sister, who's her half-sister, and then another agent who has gone missing. So she wants to go undercover and try and, and find them both. So she is set up as um, a wealthy kind of society lady from Ireland wearing couture, and she's in Paris to you know, buy her bridal her, her wedding ground and all her... What do you got? Trousseau? Is that how you say that word? Yeah. 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 So um, so she runs into Coco Chanel, who's a oh, character fun. in the book and all these things. Um, but the other mission that's going on, one of the, the big push for the British spies that are, the, that are there is to get soil samples from the beaches of France to prepare for the invasion and to start misleading Hitler and his henchmen on what beach they're going to be landing on. Mm-hmm. So they're starting a misinformation campaign wow. to say that they're going to be landing on this beach versus that beach. Um, we just use Twitter for that now. <laughs> I'm sorry, yes. I couldn't resist. <laughs> well, or a drone, really, yeah, exactly. you know. Um, yeah, so it was a really engaging read. I I would, if I had all the time in the world, go back and read them all. Yeah. Um, but... Maybe I will in the future. So, again, that's The Paris Spy by Susan McNeil. Sounds good. Well, I read The Stranger in the Woods, The Extraordinary Story of the Last True Hermit by Michael Finkel, the one Chris is currently listening to on audio. Um, So maybe I won't talk too much about it um, because we're also in a next next segment talking about an event with him but um but it is just so so folks know it's a non-fiction it's about uh the gentleman who lived for 27 years as a hermit in In deep in maine in the woods and um the gentleman who wrote the book michael finkel lived in i think montana lives in montana or yeah montana i think think. it said yeah and kind of is an outdoorsman himself and was just fascinated by the story and kind of inserted himself into um god all of a sudden i'm forgetting the guy's the name guy's, yeah he started writing him letters in prison yeah he's in um yeah he's yeah. already been arrested and in prison and i thought this book was so good as a matter of fact i was heading on my trip and i picked it up from the library and had started it and i didn't have much left i probably had 
50 pages left, but I took this hardback book on the plane with me because I did not want to be away from the story for a week. Yeah. So um, I really did enjoy it. I think maybe what we should do is talk about more deeply about it in, in upcoming up the next yeah, episode. Absolutely. Does that sound yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, but if you are looking for a good nonfiction read or sounds like a good listen, um, yeah. you know, I would definitely recommend this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm enjoying the narrator. He's yeah. a little, you know, raw, not gruff voice, but kind of gravelly, gravelly a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, I'm listening to it at 1.25. Oh, good. You yeah. go, girl. I love it. <laughs> Um, I have one other book okay. I read. Um, oh, I, I read Educated, okay. a memoir by Tara Westover. This is one of the books that Michael Kindness talked about when um, yeah. when we had him on, and it's it's the one with the cool pencil tip, right? Um, cover, right? That if we look, you know, cl- more closely, it's a woman on a, a mountain with birds and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and, and she, the back of a woman, right, with the hair. Yeah, her hair is kind okay. of flowing. And she, Tara Westover, was recently on Fresh Air with Terry Gross. So if you're interested in listening to an interview, I recommend it. And the book was, it was good. I definitely, I I read it directly after Stranger in the Woods. And I was on vacation and I was kind of desperate for fiction. But I didn't want to stop reading it. But I wanted to be done with it. Do you know how that is? Yes. You know? Um, and it's also, it's another one of those stories, kind of like The Glass Castle by, by Jeanette Wells, where you just, you just want to shake the parents, you know, and say, what are you doing? But in, so her father has, suffers from bipolar disorder, and um, the, it's a Mormon family, so mom's job is to, you know, be a mother as in some of the very classic ideals of what a mother is. Um, So taking care of the children, taking care of the home. But ironically, she's really the breadwinner because she becomes a midwife and um, also um, someone who creates homeopathic remedies. Mm -hmm. You know, she grows herbs, harvests herbs and does a lot. They don't really believe the family doesn't believe in doctors, which is why she became a midwife and also why she creates these remedies to help heal you know, when mm-hmm. the kids get hurt and the father runs kind of a junkyard and does some construction and the children and the father have endless injuries because of his unwillingness to practice safety measures as they're dealing with these huge machines and mm-hmm. stuff. So reading some of this was almost like, are you kidding me? You know, wow. Like, why? <laughs> why? You know, and then, you know, a kid will fall off and, you know, get burned or cut something or break something and he's like go home mom will fix you you know it's just horrible and i don't know if you remember michael talked about this that they had a terrible car accident and the mother suffered from a severe brain injury which is another reason she started to practice holistic medicine because she needed to heal herself it's crazy yeah you know, crazy is such a judgmental term, but it sounds really crazy. No, this was crazy making family. And what a lot of the memoir is about, because for those who don't didn't get to hear Michael talk about it or don't remember, Tar- Tara Restover becomes, like, she, she was never schooled. She didn't even have a birth certificate. And she she studies and studies and studies to pass the ACT. 
to get herself into school to Brigham Young University and um, then ends up in Cambridge and Harvard. I mean, she really overcame Mm -hmm. as far as someone who was completely uneducated. I mean, she talks about getting into one of her first classes and they're talking about the Holocaust. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know, and that's just one example of things she had no idea about. And not only that, but she was taught, you know, by her father that, you know, doctors are the devil, teachers are the devil. They're trying to put, you know, bad information into your head. And Mm -hmm. he really just wanted all of his children and his whole family to stay on this mountain that they lived on and never be in touch with the outside world, essentially, except for church. Yeah. And the Bible, you know, and... um, Well, the the Mormon Mormon, Bible. Mormon Bible, yeah, Yeah, I should be more clear, yeah. The Mormon, what do they call it? Don't they have a name? I forget. I don't know. Because it doesn't sound like they're practicing necessarily mainstream Mormonism. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe Uh, at the very outskirts. I agree, because when she gets to Brigham Young, she meets other people who are, you know, devout Mormons that didn't grow up the way she grew up. So you're absolutely right. And and in her interview with Terry Gross, she said, you know, I want to be clear that this has nothing to do with Mormonism. Right, yeah. um, that it was her family's choice of how they wanted to live their lives. But ironically, her father, um, this is a bit of a spoiler, but he ends up suffering, getting really injured at one point, And the mother heals him so well that her business takes off. So they end up making tons of money for, and employing a lot of people, wow. you know, amidst the craziness. Mm-hmm. But what, what the memoir is also about is just... When you have a situation in your um, family of origin where you need to make decisions, where you separate yourself from them for your own sanity. And so it it also is a lot about that, which is a really difficult choice. And it's a really crazy making choice because uh, she's a large family. I think she's one of seven kids. And, you know, some of them understand her plight and some of them don't, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So she's a fantastic writer. It was very well written. I'm anxious to see, you know, if she decides to go in a different direction and write fiction or mm-hmm. she's I think she's she got her PhD in history, so maybe she'll become a nonfiction writer of some kind. Well she already is, but yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, I look yeah. forward to that one. I do want to read that one. Yeah. Well, it's yours now. I'll pass it on. I have a copy. Oh you do? I think I do. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you gave us both one. Maybe. I'll yeah. look, I'll double okay. check. Yeah. yeah. That sounds really good. And yeah. and true. Like I, I um I don't have any friends here who are Mormon, but when I lived in Nevada, I had uh, friends who were raised Mormon and standard middle class kind of upbringing, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. But I do think in, in so many families, there are those splits that happen. It might just be one sibling who removes himself or it might be all the other siblings <laughs> who remove themselves from right. it. Because, like, yeah. you know, back, everything goes back to Willa Gather these days. But, like, she one of her younger these days. sisters. No, <laughs> yeah, no, Laura just high-fived you in the air. Um, <laughs> um, but, like, she had a younger sister who she quit being in touch with because I don't know. It, the, the illusion is that the she was really kind of jealous of Willa Cather mm, mm. and was, was saying really mean things and whatnot. Mm. So I don't know. The, mm. I need to read a, I wonder if any of the biographies go into that. I've only read one biography of her so far, like a full book length. Mm. Um, but the guy, uh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh-oh. We almost went down yeah, the Willow Cather yeah, path. We can't, yes. <laughs> read, read the biography and then get back to us, Chris. <laughs> Will do. Anyway, so that was Educated by yes. Tara Westover. Tara Westover. Very cool. Biblio Adventures. Woo! So I, I did some adventuring. Your, your West Coast adventures. Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, I didn't get to the Point Street reading series that I talked about in the last episode because oh, of weather. Right. Yeah. I had to cancel. It is every third Thursday. No, Tuesday, I'm sorry, in Providence. So I am, if I don't get there this month, because April's looking pretty busy, I definitely want to get there in May. Cool. And actually, Providence is a cool place to go when the weather's nicer, mm-hmm. too, so... Um, more to come on that, cool. but um, but the I, I got to many bookstores as I've mentioned. My gentleman callers, quite a read, reader also. As a matter of fact, he took a huge hardback book on the plane, and I was so <laughs> excited because I thought, oh, he's going to look at how many books I'm bringing, and he beat me. He brought more books because I had an e-reader. <laughs> Mine were just squirreled away electronically. Um, But the first stop we went to, my brother lives in Alameda, California. And there's a great bookstore bookstore there called Books, Inc. And I had a really good time because I went with my niece and nephew as well, who are just rabid readers. So it was really fun in their house to look at the books they're reading. Because I feel kind of out of touch with that age group now. how old are they? Eleven... And nine. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. And um, my niece is reading the series, which the name is escaping me now, but you went to the author's event. He was an ungly. Oh, yeah. Um, Chris, Chris Colfer. Yeah. yeah. And she loves oh, it. Oh, cool. And she was really excited because I think it was the fourth book that just came out. I'm pretty sure it was the fourth. Mm-hmm. And there's a map in the series, yes. I guess, that she has on her bedroom wall. Oh, so. that's so exciting. Yeah. And I bought them each a book, which was really exciting for me. Oh. And, um, and it was a, it's a beautiful store, and they have really cool shelf talkers on the books. You know, for those of you who don't know, those are those little often handwritten cards that sit on the end of a shelf right in front of a book. And what they do there is frequently it's it's employees of the store only, but there they have customers do shelf talkers oh, that's too. That's fun. I like yeah. that. So my niece was excited because one of her friends had written a shelf talker <laughs> for a book. So. So that was a cool stop. And then right across the street, there's a store called Rocket Reuse, which is a used bookstore that also had um, albums and toys and clothes. And and they had a really nice selection of everything from poetry to YA. And Jim picked up a couple books. There were two books he was looking for on the Vietnam War. And he found both of them there. Fabulous. Yeah, so that yeah. was he was very excited about that. And then the next day we were driving down to Santa Cruz and we stopped in Half Moon Bay and stopped at Coast Side Books, which was a really sweet little store. And I, I'm always on the hunt for cards and they had some like a great selection of boxed cards. So I got some beachy themed cards, which mm-hmm. I was really excited about. And they had a, a great section of journals, too. And, and I wish I would taken a picture of this, but there was a journal that on the cover said, Notes for my future therapist. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. I had never seen that. Um, and then the, on Monday night, we went to Bookshop Santa Cruz, which is a fantastic bookstore. It's huge. It's where I went to my first ever Booktopia and met a mm-hmm. lot of my bookie friends. 
And um, Luis Alberto Uria was there um, to talk about his book, The House of Broken Angels, which was just on the cover of the New York Times Book Review this past Sunday, which would have been April 1st. Mm -hmm. And he was actually awaiting, he travels with his wife, who's lovely. He was a Booktopia Petoskey author, so I met him there several years ago now, and his wife, who's lovely. She was receiving a call from his agent as he was speaking to us about a potential movie deal. Wow, that's so exciting. I know, and I never heard, like, the punchline, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know what happened, but he was very excited. <laughs> he has a background in acting, so he's very compelling to listen to and to watch, and obviously he's a storyteller, but when he kind of acts out his stories, it's really awesome, mm-hmm. and I could listen to him forever. And this book is a family drama that's based loosely on his brother who's his half brother who passed away from pancreatic cancer and um, he was actually in the middle of writing another book which made me think of you about his mother who did something during World War II that was very unusual for women to do which I don't remember I'm sorry Um, and so he stopped writing that book because he was very compelled to write this other one but he's going to go back to doing that Um, And one other thing he mentioned that I didn't know is when he was a young newbie author thinking about, like, could I ever make a living as an author, he was mentored by Ursula Le Guin. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not bad. Pretty powerful mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And the crowd was huge. It was packed. People were, he, he goes back and forth between Spanish and English. And there were plenty of people in the audience who were appreciating that, which Mm -hmm. was fun, you know. Um, and something happened that I've never had happen at a book event once the Q&A portion started where a gentleman asked him to read a very specific paragraph in the book, like he said, page such and such, paragraph such and such, and then tell him what he was thinking about when he wrote that paragraph. Interesting. It was so interesting. At first I was kind of like, what? <laughs> and then when he read the paragraph, I was like, oh, I get it. And he, you know, Luis was happy to do it and really spoke to him that, you know, what that paragraph was about. So, so that was kind of cool. Um, and I really want to read the book. Yeah. It's on my radar. So mm-hmm. it's called The House of Broken Angels. So those were all my adventures. Nice. Well, I was going on an adventure to Stonington. There was an author event and traffic was really bad. There were, like, two accidents on the way. Stonington is up by New London, Connecticut, close to the border with Rhode Island. I arrived, like, ten minutes late. Everybody's kind of standing around talking. I was like, okay, good. They didn't start yet. And then a woman approaches me with the clipboard and says, I'm so sorry to tell you that the event has been canceled. Oh. I was like, oh, bummer. And she's like, yeah, the author called. He's driving up from New York, and traffic was so bad. That at 5 o'clock, the event was at 6, and at 5 o'clock he texted and said, my ETA is 7 p.m. according Uh, to my GPS, so they're going to reschedule that. And that was a joint event with Bank Square Books, Mm. and the event was Everything You Love Will Burn, Inside the Rebirth of White Nationalism in America by Vegas Tenold. And um, I've seen that book, you know, and I don't know if it'd be a book I'd read, um, but it's definitely a talk I look forward to attending because yeah. um, he has studied white nationalism around the globe, from what I understand, from mm. one of his author blurbs that I read. 
But it was at the LeGrau Center in Stonington. And Stonington is this really cool seaside town that's really old. I mean, mm. Laura and I, when we were first looking at Connecticut, and, you know, we'd come out and visit, and we'd just drive up and down the coast and get to know all the different towns. I remember we ate in this little cafe right along this really narrow main street that they have. Um, so anyway, when the event got canceled, I went driving around a little bit, and I ended up at this beach on a point where, of course, what did I run into but a little free library? Oh. <laughs> so I was standing there looking at the little free library, and a woman walked by with her dog, and she's like, oh, good, I'm so glad somebody's looking at that. I was like, yeah, this is really wonderful. And I had a book in my hand, Revenge of the Middle-Aged Woman, um, and that's by Elizabeth uh, Buchan. And and I asked the woman walking by, I was like, so are you involved with this little free library? And she's like, yeah. She's like, we all kind of, you know, contributed to getting it up there and kind of keep it maintained. So then after I chatted with her, I chatted with two guys from the Coast Guard Academy who were scuba diving. Oh, cool. Um, and I was interested in what they were up to because you don't really see a lot of people scuba diving in the, well, I guess now it's technically spring, yeah. but, you know, it's still cold yeah. here. Um, so it was a nice little adventure. Unexpected. Unexpected, yeah. yeah. So um, I signed up to get re-notified of when that event will be rescheduled. Okay. So that was my mm. one Biblia adventure mm. I managed to squeeze in. Yeah. Yeah. So upcoming adventures, we have a very exciting adventure on Wednesday. We're going up to an unlikely story um, bookstore. Book in Plainville, Mass., and we're going to see Michael Finkel, um, the author of The Stranger in the Woods that Chris is listening to and I just finished. And what is is it April 4th? Yes. That, because that is when the guy was arrested, was April 4th. Oh, really? 2013, I think it said. Oh, that's When I was ironic. listening to it. Yeah, so I thought, oh my gosh, I yeah. think yeah, that's the day we're going to be there, so maybe that's why they scheduled it yeah. that day. Because um, he was... You know, living as a hermit for 27 years. Yeah. He graduated in 1984, which is the year I graduated. Mm-hmm. So to think about, like, wow, what would it be like to spend all those years? Anyway, yeah, we'll be talking yeah. a lot about this book, yeah. I'm sure, next episode. Yeah. Um, we also have April 12th, The Hate You Give with Angie Thomas, but I just read that it's sold out. We have tickets. Oh, we do? Yeah, I got us tickets. Oh! <laughs> I love you. I put us on the wait list today. <laughs> yeah, no, I bought us tickets that. with the oh, book. You are awesome. Yeah. So, well, oh, I think so we're going to be doing a book giveaway for that book. Okay, so very good. keep your ears peeled for information on that. I'm glad one of us has our act together. <laughs> well, and, but they did say that um, because it's sold out, I think all of, because remember, she's the, the, what do they call it? One the read? One, one book, one, one read. Right. One book, one Rhode Island or something. That they're going to try to stream it. So if we get... Oh, word of that we'll um put it on our social media if people want to see it or maybe like sometimes mm-hmm. those live streams get recorded and we can yeah oh good that'll be it. fun yeah yeah i know they had two options for tickets one was just the ticket and then the other was a ticket with a book okay and i think the first option was either free or five dollars and then the second option i don't know how much okay. it was um so I, the night that I saw the event, I made a note, and I think I texted you saying, do you want to go? And then that next morning, or even later that night, they said, like, tickets are going really fast. If you want to go, uh, okay. you know, sign up now. So I did. 
You can see that Chris's executive function book is working for her <laughs> and that I need to read it. Yes. Hey, that's a good plug for a book, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Now, I have an event coming up this Saturday. It's with our mystery man, John Valerie. He is going to be in conversation at a book launch at the book club bookstore um, for Model Child is the name of the book by R.C. Goodwin. So that's this Saturday at 3.30. Oh, fun. April 7th, meaning this Saturday. Right. At the book club bookstore. Now, I'm so torn because there is another event that I'd love to go at the Yale bookstore, but it's too close in time. That one starts Mm -hmm. at 2. But for those of you who might be interested in this event, uh, Saturday, also April 7th, 2 p.m. at the Yale bookstore, Emily Katz-Anhalt is talking about her book, Enraged, Why Violent Times Need Ancient Greek Myths, Mm. which sounds... Like a really great book, and I did kind of look at it at the bookstore the other day, um, but I will be going up to the book club bookstore. Right. Yeah, great. looking forward to that. I have an event also on April 22nd. Cecil Richards, who's the president of Planned Parenthood, is on a book tour. Her book is called Make Trouble, Standing Up, Speaking Out, Finding the Courage to Lead My Life Story. And um, it's a t- it, too, is a ticketed event, and I do have a ticket for this one. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to her book tour. She's selling out everywhere she's going. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading the book. I'm wondering, you know, her mother was Ann Richards, who was the governor of Texas, Texas right? yeah, she was a real spitfire. Yeah, so I'm kind of wondering if she's on the path to some mm-hmm. sort of... I mean, she's in a very political position in her role, but if she's going to run for mm-hmm. office somewhere. Um, but in this event is in somewhere in downtown New Haven, because I'm sure it's going to be a big crowd, but it is in partnership with RJ Julia okay. booksellers. So, and then I'm also starting to think about the Newburyport literary festival. Yeah. When is that? Is April 27th and 28th. Um, they haven't released the full schedule yet, but they do have a list of the authors and they have as always a bunch of heavy hitters mm-hmm. and they always have like an honored, author that that does the Friday night um, event and this year it's Ann Hood who I really like so I'm familiar with her I don't think she wrote oh what was the name of that book that's about um, the one that was a book club and she talked about a different book and then I also have her memoir which I picked up um, at book expo called Morning Star mm. Um, I'll look up the name of this book while I'm talking. And so I don't know the full schedule. This is for people who don't remember my talking about it or weren't listeners when I talked about it last year. This event takes place the end of April every year. It's completely free. There are tons of authors. I mean, it's almost a little stressful (laughs) because you can't see everybody and you want to, you know. And um, like Booktopia, it's spread out at cool different locations. But it's larger than Booktopia, and the locations in Newburyport are classic New England, you know, these huge, beautiful churches, and they have a lot of... Meeting uh, houses, right, as they call them, yeah. Right, yeah. and they have events with multiple authors, which are really fun, so I mm. really recommend it. Um, so she wrote, the Anne Hood wrote the book that matters most, okay. and also the Knitting Circle, which I know is really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Thanks for uh, looking that up. more to come on that, mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out 
yeah. you know, if I'm going to go for the whole thing or just try to go up on Saturday. Yeah. But and Newburyport's also just a really cool town. Yeah. So. I'd love to go. Yeah. i got to get that on the calendar. And then I'm still kicking around Booktopia. I don't know yeah. if I'll be able to make it work this year or not. And that's the first weekend in May. Right. It's the weekend that follows Newburyport, yeah. which I did both last year. Yeah. And I was finishing grad school. So that was, <laughs> whew. So. How much can Emily find? Exactly. Yeah. And pass. <laughs> Upcoming reads? Upcoming reads. I have a couple. I got two really great um, review copies in the mail this last week that I'm so excited about. The first one, it's from Naval Institute Press, and it's called Beyond the Beach, The Allied War Against France. Mm. Right? What a title, right? Mm. I immediately thought, like, the Allied War. Mm. What What are they talking about? Um, This book is by Stephen Allen Bork, and it is about the Allied bombing of France to prepare for the Normandy invasion. The Allied bombed bridges and roads to stop the Nazi advances and to stop reinforcements that would come for the Normandy invasion. And they estimate that about 60,000 French citizens were killed by these bombings and preparations. So um, it's part of their series that is about air warfare. And it's really not something I don't think most people are aware of yeah. that the Allies actually bombed their friendly com- their country <laughs> or a friendly country um, in preparation for that huge invasion. Yeah. So another, again, World War II story that's coming out because people are able to tell different right. stories and, and there's um, more interest in these more specific aspects of the war. So just when you thought you couldn't find another uh, interesting World War II or a different take, right. there you go. Um, and then the second book, this, I was like, I haven't squealed when somebody <laughs> emailed me to say, hey, would you be interested in a review copy until this book? Um, it's called The Library, A Catalog of Wonders. It's by Stuart Kells. And I've been following Stuart Kells on Twitter for at least a year, if not more, Um, He is into libraries, and that's why I follow him. And I've been really looking forward to this book coming out. So when the publicist emailed me, I was like, oh, my God, yes. So um, it's coming out April 10th. And I should say, too, that the other book I mentioned, Beyond the Beach, that is also coming out in April. Okay. So these are new books. Um, So, yeah, so uh, the library, as the little blurb here says, a love letter to libraries and to their makers and protectors. A celebration of books as objects and an account of how the idea of the library continues to possess our imagination. He's traveled all around the world looking at libraries and looking into libraries. And on the cover is your favorite library. Oh, Trinity. Yeah. Nice. So that, you know, the famous shot of Trinity Hall library there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So keep an eye out for this book. I started... I read, like, the preface as soon as I got it, and I'm in love. Are you sleeping with it at night? I will be. I will be very soon. (laughs) Hopefully you'll stay awake, actually, and read it. (laughs) Yeah, so those are the two that I'm looking forward to reading. What about you? I have The Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin. I've never read Ursula Le Guin, and she passed away this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm in one book club. We meet quarterly, and we decided we wanted to read something by her. 
I am not much of a science fiction reader. When I read the back of this, I was like, ugh. <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious because yeah. people just love her, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so more to come on that one. Yeah, we'll I've only read one by her, too. I'm not much of a sci-fi reader either, uh, or haven't been. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed the one that I did read did. from her. I can't mm-hmm. think, can I see that? I can't think of the, the title of it. I wonder if they have a, a list of hers. I can't remember how we chose this one, because she has. she's quite prolific. She yeah. was, I should say, quite prolific. But I think there was a reason that we chose this one, and I don't oh, remember. The Dispossessed. And then um, I'm also uh, have up next, Up From the Blue, a novel by Susan Henderson. It's a debut that's getting some good buzz. I have no idea. Well, I mean, it just popped up as something I had reserved in the library. So I've maybe read it in the New York Mm -hmm. Times Book Review. I don't know. And then I also have um, another poetry collection. This one, the publicist reached out to the book Cougars. And um, it's called How to Love the Empty Air by Kristen O'Keefe Aptowitz. And it's it's an autobiographical collection of poems covering the year that Kristen's mother died and she married the love of her life. And the love of her life is Ernest Cline, who's the author of Ready Player One. Oh, wow. Which is getting a lot of new press again because the movie's coming out. Yeah. But um, when I first got it, I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds really hard. But then I started reading the poems, and they're fantastic. And it really does tell a story. And I just, I love the title, and I love the cover is this beautiful green where the um, mother and daughter are walking off of a beach, and they just look so in love with each other, yeah, don't they? they do. It's a nice moment. Yeah. So um, so I'm really looking forward to reading it. You know, at first when I got it, I thought, ooh, this looks really heavy. But then when I started reading it, it didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. So How to Love the air, Empty Air, Kristen O'Keefe Aptowitz. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to also say Chris and I are very thankful to those folks who are um, donating on Patreon. And also we're, we've gotten some donations directly from people. Um, very generous donations. Very generous. Thank you yeah, so thank much. You. Yes. It's yeah. going to go towards our, our new recording equipment to take on the road. Yeah. So we can go on uh, joint jaunts together and bring you guys along with us. Yes. So um, thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Happy Happy reading. reading. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.